0: Go check it out today, www.gprstabilizers.com or call 619 661 0101. Don't forget to tell him ATV Talks. Josh Merritt, it's about
1: time. Where you been all year? Oh, I've been traveling all over, I guess, and uh, finally, finally made it on. Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, it's my pleasure, young man. My pleasure. We're going to talk about the, the the twelve hour. I know you need to get that off your chest and just, you know, let, let me hear it, and and then we'll we'll get into our normal conversation. How's
1: that? It was, yeah, that sounds good to me. Um, it's actually the ten hour though Heartland Challenge. They changed it a few years ago, and uh, me, John Galata, and Hunter Hart. Uh, took the win. It didn't come easy with uh, Team Yamaha GBC there and our 4x4 team with the Action Off-Road crew. Uh, we battled by the first five hours with them pretty good. And then we started to uh, pull away just a little bit and kind of create that uh, little cushion that we needed just in case a bike problem would have happened. Uh, Ten hours on a, on three quads is still a lot of time, so anything can really happen. And, uh, excited to come away with the win on that one though, too.
0: That's, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, um, congratulations to you and the team and happy birthday. I know it's coming in a couple of days. Your episode will, will be about five weeks after your birthday, but Hey, you know, everybody's going to everybody's going to get to wish you happy birthday a second time.
1: Heck yeah. Sounds good.
0: Um, let's go back in time a little bit. Um, I know that you heard about the GNCCs through Walker Fowler, but what got you into ATVs in general?
1: So my dad started racing three wheelers back after, around his high school lifetime. And then, uh, then he got onto a 250R and he raced locals because he always worked Saturday. So he couldn't go travel around, race nationals, like all the big names were doing. And he wished he probably could have, but, um, he ran a bunch of Ohio series. He raced the motocross series and the hair scramble series and actually won, uh, both series, which was huge to him. I know nowadays we think when in a local series is not that big, we're all trying to go after the big, the big show at the GNCC. And, uh, he tried to quit racing actually before I was born, did not let me get into it, but I think him getting me, uh, actually my sister got a quad first and then, cause she's about three years older than me. And then I got one and it was just game on from then on. And, uh, we just been progressively getting more into it every single year. And I'm still, I think getting more involved and more into the industry i should say um and i i wouldn't know else what else to do to be honest with you
0: well that's 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 what happens to us when we get inflicted with this um obsession <laughs> disease whatever you want to call it uh <laughs> the greatest thing that's ever happened to me in my life is second to children and wives or wife um so yes it's it's an amazing thing um i was four years old in 1969 yeah that's a couple days before you and my dad gave me my first ride on a on an atc 90 and i've been hooked ever since so i i get it
1: yeah and uh i don't yeah like i said i don't know what else i would be doing if i didn't have atvs so uh Probably be partying or doing something I shouldn't be doing. So, this keeps me in control. It keeps me in shape. And I, that's all I can ask for right there.
0: That's awesome. So, you, uh, when did you start your first race? I mean, how, and how old were you when you started riding, actually?
1: So, when I started riding, I was three years old. All right. And it was just a, I think it was an LT80, Suzuki LT80 and uh i think we put some hattrick parts on it thinking that was the way to go i think that's what walker had actually and we're like all right we need to get that and then uh we were racing the local series i started racing at 8 years old so that's when i started getting a little serious and then we probably did that for a few years you know hitting some races and then doing like a full series And then uh, Walker Fowler kind of came around and he was racing these GNCCs. And we're like, oh, okay. This seems like a little bit bigger of a turnout and show. So my first one ever was, um, I think it was the John Penton. Yes, it was the John Penton. And I was, I think, 14 years old. And I was running the front row and (laughs) I got third in the class and fourth overall. So I, w- I literally went up on the podium and they had to take me off the podium because the kid in the class behind me beat me in time. So I was like game on from then on. And I was just never letting that down.
0: That's so cool. So you've been hooked ever since Do you remember what year that was?
1: Oh, that had to have been 2006, I would have to say 2007 around there
0: because
1: no. i won my youth championship in 2009 and the three years two years before that i was number three one year before that i was number two because walker beat me and then dylan bradford beat me and then i won the championship so it was always us three battling and uh it was there was no one that could touch us but each other that was a problem <laughs>
0: Well, Hey, you know, it's, it makes good. It makes it good for uh, good, hard racing. Right.
1: Oh, definitely. I think some of the, the youth races. And now I think now that we have the two hundred and fifty hybrid class, I think that's some of the best competitive racing out there, just close action. And, uh, they, they put on a show.
0: You mentioned that you did a little bit of motocross stuff. Um, how does that work for you with your cross country career?
1: so I've always not been known as the faster race like I would say faster section I'm better at the faster sections cornering in the woods anything like that so we we've, I've always done motocross because my dad did motocross back in the day and it come about that b got a quad and they wanted me to race Daytona on it so I ended up getting a pro license because you have to be a pro rider now to race Daytona and doing a drug test doing everything you had to do just to race one race (laughs) and went out and uh, I think I got like 13th out of 18 riders which I didn't think I was going to beat anybody so I didn't ride the quad until the day before and uh, I did that and then also I went to uh, France and Croatia and I did a couple of different style motocrosses over there
0: what'd you think of uh, Pont de Vue
1: Pont is I truly think that's one of the best races out there uh, biggest in the world the fans are absolutely crazy I mean the ceremony
0: is oh. all- To bed
1: and race the next two days so it's the i truly think if i ever got out of racing and i could only race a few races a year i'd probably just build a quad and send it over there so i could send me and a couple of buddies just to go race it because i just have so much fun over there
0: i i I think the two greatest races i've ever raced were vegas torino and Vue.
1: yep I I want to do a Vegas arena. It's on the bucket list. I know a couple of buddies that are going to do it right now, or they're actually they're possibly doing it right now. I think no, it it's started today. It starts tomorrow, tomorrow morning. morning. Okay. Yep. So uh, some of the action off road teammates are over there, and uh, I'm like, man, I think I need to build a Yamaha for this. <laughs> so uh,
0: I don't definitely. think the I don't think the Yamaha is what you want to build for that race.
1: That's what everybody says in it. I don't, I don't understand that. Why is that?
0: Because the Honda is just so much better in that terrain. Is it? Yep.
1: You're running wide A-arms and big tires, right? Yep. Out there.
0: Yep. Desert and setup. the ground clearance on the Honda is a little better. Uh, the the Honda is just a better off-road package um, than the Yamaha. And I'm I'm not saying the Yamaha's bad in any main. Yeah. Maybe we haven't spent enough time developing it as a desert bike but the honda just lends itself so naturally i mean
1: yeah it seems like that's what everybody's riding out there so it only makes sense to use what works i completely understand that
0: yeah i've always wondered why did doesn't the honda work in the woods
1: i mean mcgill and jared made it work chris couldn't make it work again. He used to be able to make it work back in the day. Uh, I don't know. That is a great question. Um,
0: I know you, I mean, uh, McGill and, and, and McClure, they're no slouch. I mean, they, these guys are, these guys are talented riders. And uh, I just wondered what the, what is missing in the package to put that Honda on the the top step consistently.
1: I don't know if it's th- that they can't do it. I think possibly that the guys on the Yamaha's are just getting better. I mean, I'm not trying to I'm not being mean or anything, but McGill and Jared are being are getting a little older and the Whoa, upcoming, whoa,
0: whoa, 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 What are you, <laughs> what are you talking about? Really? The
1: upcoming kids are they're flying. Walker, Cole. Hunter Hart. I mean, they're absolutely, they're evolving faster. They, We grew up on better youth bikes. So I truly think, I'm not saying they're getting slower. I think they're getting faster. I think these kids are just crazy on their quads right now.
0: At some point you might get a transition from the old guard. And when I mean old guard, I mean the older guys. Cause if you look, Walker is the youngest of, of all the champions that I'm aware of, you know, but on the West coast, Bo Barron's 40 years old. Um, yeah. I mean, desert geyser are in their thirties. Weenens, you know, 37 and leading the points. So if you look at the history, you know, Gary Denton, when he retired was 38, Doug Eichner, when he retired, was in his forties, you know, I mean, deep forties, not early forties, deep forties. So you're you're talking about guys that have won and dominated their sport. You know, Doug Eichner was like 39 years old when he became super dominant.
1: That's true.
0: So that very true. You know, I you, guess
1: they have time, and if they're going to put in the work and everything clicks, it, I don't see why the Honda couldn't get up on the top of the podium and possibly get a championship. I yeah, I just I don't know
0: it. It just freaks me out that that. that, that I mean, it's it's done it on the motocross. It's done it in the works. It's done it in the desert. Um, you know, it's done it in in other forms of cross country racing. It just hasn't done it on the big show.
1: That's very true. I I think if Walker and Hunter and all them have what it takes, uh, I don't think they're going to let a Honda up there. To be honest with you, <laughs> so. We'll see guess. how long Walker's street goes because they say the number seven is almost impossible to go by. So seven championships is really they I don't know what it was like that. it's seven and done. I think it was Barry Hawk and a couple other people didn't got balance, seven. Didn't balance go to eight? Did he go to eight? Oh, he did have eight X on his quad. Yeah, you're right.
0: He went to eight. And um um, how many did Boric go? I think he only has seven.
1: Yeah. But he has the most wins, so. Yeah, he did they a little bit
0: dominant on a, on a Suzuki too, so.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, it's low, crazy high. how
1: one rider dominates for so long. And then, like, I'm not saying Chris is going slow, but. You could just tell he lost that, that, that funk that he had for that period of time and Walker picked it up. Like it seems like only one person can have that extra little push or that lock or drive to just get those championships in a row. It's pretty cool to see actually, especially racing against them. You can just tell they put the helmet on. They're on a different level
0: you know, and, and they don't even know what they're doing. That's, that's that dominant. It's those, it's all the decisions they make that are just, you know, cluing them into making great race day decisions with quality product. You know,
1: it really is. And it's crazy. Cause like, I ha I'm open to ride with Walker every single day and I'll, I would go ride with him and he would have me lead and, I would pull away a little bit. I'm like, you're all right. Is everything good? He's like, yeah, you're just going really fast today. And then we go to the track and he beats me by a minute of the lap. And I'm like, what the heck, man? He's like, I don't know. I just felt really good. I was like,
0: It's, <laughs> it's, I, it's mental for you. It's mostly mental. It, it has to call be. it when you call it race day. I mean, there's been some great racers that were probably faster than the champ, the multi-time champions. But when the green flag dropped, they, they, they couldn't, they couldn't get it out of their head that it was a race.
1: Yeah. there's a quote by Chad Reed. I think it was on one of the, one of the moto films that were recorded. Uh, he said he's never been paid at a practice track. So he said there's guys faster than him all week. And then he gets the weekend and he beats them. And that's why he gets the checks and, these other guys don't so it's it's very true it must be all mental and I well, completely understand that
0: you know Craig the guy was phenomenally talented he could go to Europe and win he could go in other places and win but when you went to supercross there was something about it that that yep. was was a, a, a mind-boggling thing for him and he just never could get over the hump you know, and that's in that's in Supercross, but uh, there's there, yeah. there, I've just seen phenomenally fast guys not be able to put it together on on the show day, but you go to a local track and they beat everybody, even the guys that they race with normally. But it but it doesn't yeah count. that's
1: it doesn't count, and that's that's what makes it pretty wild to think about. And they show up when it counts, and that's something. I don't know if you can learn that or if that's just built into your DNA, but some of these guys got it. And some of us, uh, I don't know if we do, so we are going to have to learn it or program it into ourselves.
0: It's a form of maturity, you know, that comes with a calmness, you know, because most of these guys are really calm, you know, let's step out of our world and you look at Michael Jordan and tiger woods, you know, as much as I choke on saying it, Tom Brady, you know, you look at these guys that are, yeah, I just, I can't stand in the guy, but you know, whatever. <laughs> He's got a lot of rings, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta pat him on the back when they got a lot of rings. Right.
1: Definitely. Yes. He's doing something right.
0: I did. It's just calm, relaxed, you know, knowing your game and, and playing for it. So I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but you have skills, you have talent. Um your package is is good um you know you and I have text back and forth a couple times and and you know is, is is it is it trees or mud or 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 what bad luck good luck
1: I don't know I I'm trying I am Trying to figure that out too. It's a local race and absolutely dominate. I get to a GNCC and I just feel funky. Like the quad feels different. It just, I don't know if it's in my program of what quads I'm racing where, if I'm not used to that quad or if my bikes aren't set up the same. There's something going on and I think we're getting closer. I obviously we're getting closer every year because I went from 11 to eight and uh, I'm sitting in eighth right now. I could probably get up to seven uh, going into next year, like easily. I'm only a couple of points behind and I could probably make my way up into the top five if I ended up the year really well. So I mean, training's on point. The quad, I'm still trying to figure out, I'm not the best with suspension. So I'm putting a hundred percent of my efforts in um, trust and do BNR. Um, they do all my shocks. Mm-hmm. So trusting him and getting our bike to a position where I can ride it. Cause Ryan Smith, uh, he owns BNR he isn't riding the bike. I can only tell him what, what is happening, but I can't adjust the shocks when he's not there and do what obviously I do what I want to do or do what I have. I want the shocks to do, but every track is different. So you have to make that happy medium. And sometimes that might just get in my head where I'm you know, bottoming out too much or the rear ends too slow and I'm not just sucking it up and possibly just rock, everybody's riding the same track thinking that and everybody's going through the same conditions. So I I'm not sure what I can do. I'm I'm getting closer. I think BNR shocks are, you know, outstanding and I think we're getting to the right point where I can just hammer down.
0: Well, I mean, knowing that that you you have a, a goal and knowing that you have a lesson plan and a way to get there, that's it. You know, your maturity level into that championship playground, it may be coming because yeah. you're not aging out. You're not getting to a, an age where you're too old. I mean, look at, right. there's guys in their late 30s racing and competitive in the top 10.
1: Exactly. Yep.
0: You know, so uh, it, it, isn't Gallagher in 43?
1: Yes, he is.
0: And, and inside the top 10 multiple times this year?
1: Yes, and he's still flying, yeah.
0: So so you, you, your clock is not ticking fast yet. It, it's still going click, 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 you know. I wouldn't worry about that. I, I would take the education from them, and I would learn. Um, And I would watch guys like Walker. I would have conversations with Walker and Chris Borich and, and as many of these old guys as you can, Adam McGill. I mean, Adam's a pretty smart guy and uh, uh, he's a little eccentric at times, but he's a smart guy.
1: Definitely. And that's like this past winter, I stayed with Hunter Hart and we rode with McGill every single day at Croom on the roughest track you could possibly think of. And it was nice to see their grind in the winter because I've, I've done the Florida thing by myself. I've done North Carolina. I've done South Carolina, like different people at different times and kind of just seeing their program. I've stayed at Chris Forge's house when Chad was there. Chad Wingman was there. And Landon Wolf and we all were training all together. So I have all the knowledge of every single top rider out there, what they're doing, how they're doing it, their schedule. It's just putting it all together.
0: Exactly. exactly. And I think that you know, I've I've watched you from a distance the way that I can, and I think you got skills. Um am I there? on race day. No, but I'm, I'm getting the information that I can, the way I can. And, and you just got to keep your head down and you got to keep fighting the fight and, and don't be discouraged. You, uh, you're not, you're not too old and you're still learning. You know, I I would say that, um, keep riding and make it more fun, make it more fun. I mean, because if you're not having fun, What's the point, right? Yeah.
1: Yep. Definitely. And I'm every time I'm on the quad, I'm having fun. Uh, so, like I said, I we're only going to be able to do this so long, at least at this speed. I'm going to have a blast doing it. That's for sure.
0: Exactly. Hey, let l- let me ask you this: Get into a little bit of training. You know what is what is a what is a training week for you? I mean, that's, we're, we're, we're not racing for two weeks um, and we start out on Monday. What are we doing?
1: So I do all the work on my quads. So a lot of my time is prepping, but when I'm not prepping quads, I try to ride with Cole Richardson or Kenny Schick probably once to twice a week. And then I'll, I'll race a local. And if there's a, another close local, I'll try to race two locals, um, like a Saturday, Sunday, but that's if the quad is a hundred percent good to go from the first race and it wasn't a mud fest or anything like that. So I do a little bit of weightlifting still, um, but not too much. And then I have a salt bike that I purchased at the beginning of the year. And, uh, that's kind of what I do. Um, so what is
0: that? the bike uh,
1: the so it's just like a stationary bicycle that you use your arms to okay so it's like a crossfit kind of thing when i was in north carolina i was at crossfit weddington at i stayed with the glottis for two years and this this guy that owns the gym trains multiple supercross guys he's training the phoenix honda team and he cha- trains a couple other big names. And uh he took me kind of under his wing. And that's kind of what I did because I didn't have any friends or family down in North Carolina. So I would work out. I would go to work and then I would work on quads all night and then possibly do another workout um at the house. So back I would say a year ago, I was working out probably six to eight times a week. And now that I'm home I have a lot more going on with work and cause I opened up another, our own business and uh, it's just me and my father and uh, just with staying up on quads, I have three, three Yamahas trying to take care of. And I make perfect. We haven't had a breakdown this year in practice or uh, racing. So that's, that's kind of like, a tap on my back. Cause I know, yeah, I might not be able to go ride every single day, but I'm going to make sure this quad is going to finish every single race. So I got to give a little here to get a little there. That's kind of what it comes down to.
0: And that, you know, that's realistic. It's realistic. You know, I mean, the, the you can't go racing if you don't have a quad underneath you, right?
1: Yeah. Well you can, and you can break down and then that whole trip, you're just swiping for no reason and that's i don't believe in that and i would hate to show up to a race and multiple times in a row just break i would rather just put the money into the quad not put the time on it you know during the week and make sure it's 100 percent perfect ready to go for race day so that's just kind of my mindset right now is last year we made it all but one GNCC without a breakdown. And it was my, I, I hit a stump, so it wasn't really a breakdown. It was a crash. Um, But this year we're, we're good. We have four rounds to go. And if I can make it through the year with no mechanical problems, I will pat myself on the back. I'll pat my BNR on the back for doing my engine and suspension. And I know I can say, Hey, look, we had a, perfect bulletproof season like that that would be a trophy for me even though i wouldn't get one (laughs) It just uh in my mind
0: well that dude you you have to have your stepping stones you have to have your goals you know and that's that's a great goal to have because it ultimately sets you up for the next level you know When your quads are on point and you're on point and you're moving forward that you're, you're walking the ladder, you know, and definitely not everybody's doing that.
1: Yeah. And I think every race that you miss, if it's injury or if it's breakdowns, you're going backwards or you're staying in the same spot. So I'm always trying to move forward. Uh, It's just one step at a time.
0: What's your favorite? Where's your favorite place to race? Not I mean we already talked about Vue, but um your favorite cross country.
1: Uh I would have to say I like the South Carolina area. Um, it doesn't get as rough there. And I think the speeds are a little bit faster, even though it's kind of tight. You're still going really fast, but you don't have the train track ruts to deal with. Um I would say Iron Man, but it's left a sour taste in my mouth the last couple of times I've gone there. The speeds are just so fast there. I think showing up on a motocross bike would be better than showing up on our XC bikes, because we all complain that our shocks are way too soft when we when we leave there just because of how fast we are going and the braking bumps that are there. I mean the soil is perfect, but I just haven't flowed there. So I would have to say. John Penton and probably Big Buck are my two go to rounds that I really like.
0: Are those in the beginning of the year or the end?
1: One well, the good thing is we went to both of them twice. I don't know if we want their did we do Big Buck twice this year? Yeah, Big Buck twice this year and we're doing John Penton twice this year because they call it the Buck Wheat the suck the second time. Okay. That's, so, uh, when, luckily, I get to hit twice.
0: And, and when, when is that round? Are those two of the uh, so, finals?
1: No. So, the South Carolina ones were at the beginning of the year. And then the John Penton one, we had John Penton already. And then we'll have John or the Buckwheat, which is the same place again here at the end of the year.
0: And when you're, do they do this exact same course or do they change it up?
1: They change it up. And to be honest, they, because of COVID last year, um, we were all nervous that it was just going to be the same track backwards. And I was really scared because they most of the GNCC tracks are very, very similar every year. And you can, if you remember lines, you can really use those to your advantage. So I was a little nervous that the tracks were going to be exactly the same, and they actually switched them up really well and running trails that we haven't ridden in 10 years since I was in youth, or I don't know, like a while ago. And it I was very impressed and it made it so everybody, everybody was on a equal playing field at the beginning again.
0: You gotta like that, huh? Yeah. And you, you live in Ohio? I do, yes. And is there, is there a lot of similar style terrain in Ohio versus, uh, you know, some of the other places that you go race?
1: Um, so I've uh, only a couple handful places to ride. Uh, I have to travel about an hour to either Kenny shakes or Cole Richardson's house. And they have really similar woods to the John Penton they have the hills, they have all that. And then we have a place, Kenny has a place called Hillsville, which is like a sand track. So if it ends up raining or being really bad weather, we'll just ride there cause it's sand. And that kind of gets us ready for, you know, your camp Coker or Florida rounds, if you can make it there before the snow. Um, but that really helps you out. So we have a couple different options, but I would say that Kenny and Cole's tracks are like John Penn. And I think that's why I like that track a little bit more.
0: Okay. And you brought up snow. What do you do in the wintertime?
1: So since pretty much high school, I've gone down to Florida or from North Carolina to Florida pretty much. And I'll spend between three months to, down to three weeks, depending on what I have going on in life. If I, I was in college for a little bit and working, if, if the money was there, you know, depending on what was going on, if I had a place to stay, um, I was down South riding with somebody that was living down there or has a house down there.
0: So you you just borrowing a couch for a couple of days here and there and, and, and Load up the toys and go, go play. Right.
1: Oh, definitely. Yes. That's exactly what happens. We prep, I prep the quads right after the last race. I tear them completely down and I'm like, all right, let's get them ready to destroy over the winter.
0: (laughs) (laughs) When you go, when you went down, uh, before this season, you said that you were with Hunter Hart. Yes, I was. Okay. And, uh, Adam McGill was in the same, same area.
1: Yeah, we had uh, Adam McGill, Hunter Hart, Trey Warner, and that's it. Yeah. So we all kind of rode together, and then we would meet up with, like, Chad Weenan and Chris every once in a while at a motocross track. Um, The Stewart boys came down a few times, which was awesome. Uh, We got a house in – what was that place called? WikiWachi. And, uh, we went, you know, kayaking, seeing big manatees and went fishing and stuff like kind of broke up the, the daily grind. And that was really nice. And, um, I think we have a good plan coming together for this winter. We'll see what it details, but, uh, see how long I'm going to go down to
0: <laughs> that. That's awesome. So did Adam bring out the 250Rs and that you guys ride the old school
1: stuff? No, no. I think those stay in West Virginia, and I think they should. I I don't know. if I, I've actually never rode a 250R. What? So I think I'm good too. I don't know, <laughs> dude.
0: Come on. You know the the greatest ATV ever in the history of the of the industry, and you're afraid to ride it?
1: I think it's more of a a museum piece at this point for me like i would get one but probably never ride one and just kind of look at it
0: uh you need to go hang out with with adam for a weekend and 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 he'll get you hooked
1: i'm sure that's what's scared. that's what scares me i don't want to i don't want to have to go put more money into another bike that i don't know anything about that's the problem
0: Oh, hey, there's a lot of people that do, though, and there's a lot of people you can ask questions because everybody loves
1: 250R. That's very true. Everybody that I know, they have one hanging up or if they got one in the barn somewhere that's pristine and built just the way they wanted it to.
0: We're down to one ATC, and we're not allowed to touch it because it's my brother's wife's. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's, it's stock other than a pipe and a silencer. And we're not allowed to touch it.
1: Wow. Did you uh, see that museum forever ATC? Have you gone to that museum? I
0: have not, and I can't wait.
1: Yeah. I'm <laughs> yeah. um, I was supposed to go. Hunter Hart and Trey Warner went after a camp that I did this a few weeks ago. They went out of their way on the way home and went to it. And I was invited to go, but I totally forgot because I was just dreading the drive home. And, uh, they went and showed me pictures and videos and I'm like, oh my gosh, that place is beautiful.
0: Yeah. I, I doing what I do now with the ATV talk, I am getting in contact with more and more people that are collectors. And, um, there's one over in Arizona that I'm supposed to go see and spend some time looking at, at some of the things that he has and and, uh, some machines that I'm not familiar with that, oh, wow. yeah, I mean, I've been around forever and there's machines that I've only seen slightly, never, never worked on. And, and I really want to take a look at them, you know, the tigers and, uh, there's a husky out there that I really want to see what it was and what it looks like. Um, nobody's been able to produce the husky yet, but I'm sure at some point it will happen. Um, because some of them were, I mean, I know for you, you, you ride state of the art now, you know, yeah. you're, you're riding things that we've developed that are, that are right now better than anybody else has. Okay. Right. And back then when they were just developing all these things, it's so cool to see some of the the tricks they did then that we use today. You know, and yeah, it's like you take your Yamaha and some of the things that you do to your Yamaha. Yeah, they're they're new, but they're not new because we were doing it. You know, twenty five years ago, but when you right? Were, oh, you were here twenty five years ago, but you were still in diapers. You know,
1: right? <laughs> yeah.
0: But I mean, it's 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 crazy. The evolution, you know, and that's why I think you should you should at least go ride a 250R so that you have a little bit of understanding about the two stroke power, about the lightweight, and some of the things that it would do. It would give you a little bit more relevant, you know, a little bit of uh, understanding of what you're doing and, and where it evolved from. Definitely, and I think I think all the fast guys. I'm probably going to give a secret away here, but I think all the fast guys should do, should do some sort of training on a three-wheeler
1: on a three-wheeler. Yep. Wow. Yeah. I've never, actually I've rode one. I think it was a 50 three-wheeler Honda 50. Is that a thing? Or 70, a, a 70. Yeah. 70. Yep. It was a 70. It was Jay Shadrons and we were in the middle of winter and we would just do wheelies up and down his driveway. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well if you've see I come from the the three wheeler era, and they teach you how to turn different teaches you more body English something that uh the 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 level of machine that you ride today the body English isn't as important
1: I agree with that,
0: but if you have it if you have that skill set, you can make your bike work better because you can you'll understand to move your body around a little bit different so that you'll gain some momentum in being able to turn faster or be able to handle it when your machine may not be working the way you think it should.
1: I can see that. I I do watch a lot of videos of Chad Weenan and Joel Hetrick just to see how they corner. Cause that's obviously how they make their money is it's whoever can corner the fastest on the track. They're yeah. going to jump the same speed. They're going to land on the landings the same, but cornering is something I watch and I learn every single time I see a video of them. And obviously those two are the fastest in the world. Um, they proved that multiple times and uh, you can, if it's just the smallest thing, I I don't know if they came from the three wheeler era, but they're doing something right.
0: And uh, Joel did not because he's. If I'm not, should mistaken, be the same I age as he's
1: me. Yeah, he's younger he's than old. you, isn't he? No, I think he's a year older than me. Actually, he's 29 already. I think so.
0: Wow, wow, where are the years going? Because I thought he was still, I thought he was still under, you know, 26, 27
1: yeah pretty positive he's older than me so and, well you know
0: that chad came he wasn't in the three wheeler era but he was back when i was traveling back east when i was working back there so that and i haven't been i haven't been working back east since you know 98 99 oh wow yeah been been a couple of days right
1: that's when my girlfriend was born.
0: <laughs> I ha- I have kids older than you. <laughs> That's you know? all right. Yeah, I- I've been I- I've been chewing the dirt for a little bit, a little couple <laughs> days. You know, it- it- yeah. it's it's really cool though because I get to see a perspective when I talk to you that. Um is it's new to me. So I'm getting to see some of it through your experiences in your eyes. And, and I really, really, really enjoy that because um you gotta figure I love ATVs and and, and I don't care whose tag you. you're flying, I don't care what brand you're riding, we all have our favorites, and that's okay. Definitely. You know, tell me what it's like so that I can experience it um and gain a perspective so that we can talk about it and, and enjoy it together, you know, and, um, and, and it, it's, it's just amazing stuff. I've never ridden in the woods. Okay. I probably, oh, wow. I probably couldn't dude, uh, because it, it. you gotta you gotta figure when you come out to the West coast and you're going to ride in the, in the, in the work series, or you're going to ride in the desert. It's faster than you've ever thought you would go.
1: Right. I've raced against Bo in PDV and he's not no slouch. I was like, I didn't know really who he was. And then he was on team for Liberty and he come out and he was the first one to go do fast laps. And they just pulled off afterwards. Cause they figured they were, they were de- sitting de- decent and I'm like, Holy smokes. Like, where's that guy from? He's like West coast. I'm like, wow. That's like a, a Walker Fowler for me going by. I'm like, geez.
0: You most people don't realize that you know he he's traveled back to the motocrosses and finished top ten. Yep. Okay, he's a ten time works champion. Yeah, or that's nine all. times working on his ten. You know, I mean that's that's pretty phenomenal. When the last guy won five, you know.
1: Um, Do you guys have any Woods? E races out there? Anything with trees?
0: The closest thing was in uh um the closest two were in Stratoline and Washugal, Washington. Um and Washugal, we never had anybody come and contend, but in Stratoline Boric came and put a hurting on us. Uh, oh for real. Uh yes. And then the next year when they came back, Bo beat them. Oh wow. Yep. Because Bo went to school, we were running work setups, you know, where we were wider, where we, we weren't used to the tree ruts and, or the tree roots and some of the things that, that those guys were, were ready for. Right. Um, and uh, they, they, they put a, put a sh- hurting on all the works guys, you know, and, and then kind of said, Oh, you guys are nothing, you know? And they said, Hey, next race is in Mesquite, come out for that one. If you think that we're nothing. Um, oh. they didn't finish. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Mesquite is a whole Mesquite and Havasu are uh, you can ask Johnny Gallagher about the Havasu. He Havasu told me. Yeah. Havasu of old is way worse than it is now. Yep. But Mesquite is fast and just edge after edge after edge, edge. and edges are different than sand whoops.
1: Yeah, they don't um, give.
0: Yeah, I just don't know how to explain it, but you get a guy like Bo or Mike Sloan or Evan Spooner or Travis Damon, these guys just eat that stuff up because that's what they're that's what they grow up on. I mean, that's what right cutting their teeth on.
1: It's definitely on the bucket list to make it out there and race one to two. I know it wouldn't going out and doing one would not make me happy because obviously I would have a learning curve beyond reason but two would make me happy and i could definitely see where i fare out over there obviously i don't think i'm going to be winning anything but it would be fun to uh, just see what kind of conditions it it's like because obviously i've done motocross over here not much but i've done a ton of gncc and i race three different local series over here so I love just expanding my range. So I'm more knowledgeable. So when I'm going to camps or teaching kids, I know what I'm talking about pretty much at the end of the day.
0: And that's, I think the education for it would be, you know, you'd want to, you'd want to schedule your trip so that you get hit maybe a couple of works races and a desert race. Okay. And I probably wouldn't take your work or your, your cross country Yamaha and and take it to the desert. I would probably team up with a guy and, you know, learn his package a little bit. You'd be a little out of place because it might be a different brand, but a, a rider is a rider, especially at your level. Um, yep. And you would go out there and just get a feel for uh, what it's like to race in the desert, uh, whether it be Baja or whether it be uh, best in the desert in Nevada. they Baja and best in the desert are two totally different worlds. You know, um, and I think that the experience level, it's just like, every, I think that as many guys that can go back and race in the woods, they should. Right. It's going to teach them.
1: Oh, definitely. You're going to learn a lot real quick. And if not, your front end's going to be bent <laughs> to the side.
0: <laughs> exactly. And control, you know, how to maneuver through obstacles. Uh, I don't think that the... West coast is teaching enough of that yet with some of the courses that we race, you know, it, it, it's a little difficult, yeah. uh, you, you know, I mean, they don't, they took out some of the technical sections uh, for what, whatever reason. I, I think Randy, the owner of works is trying to bring it back. Yep. But you have to be careful that you're not bringing back obstacles that destroy machines versus obstacles to teach
1: right You know, yeah we just got a new rule that we're not allowed to have man-made jumps on our track so no motocross tracks no creek jumps if it was built by a machine we're not allowed to run it
0: why is and that's in and that's in the national series
1: that's the GNCC I don't know if it's a like rule like if it's in any rule book but I think it's an insurance thing Really? So all year long I think it started last year um we haven't touched any jumps. So I get it ruins the the fun. It ruins kind of where the crowd goes to watch, you know, but
0: but if it's I a natural, the- but if it's a natural, you're okay. Yes. So could they could they um Could they maybe not make jumps, but um, but make
1: rollers? Maybe I don't know. I don't know. I've heard that through the grapevine, and it makes sense why we haven't had a jump. And i I've asked the track workers, "Are we hitting the creek jump?" They're like, "Nope, we're not even going close to it." I'm like, "All right, well." where's the crowd going to go? Cause steel Creek, they come for the Creek jump, you know, they, the Hills on one side, the Creek jumps on the other. So they can watch both at the same time. They don't really go there. So I'm a little nervous. It's going to hurt the fan, the fan attendance, but we'll see where it goes. I don't, like I said, that's just what I've heard through the grapevine and it, Makes sense because we haven't touched a motocross track or jump this year.
0: Well, you know, they they did away with the UTVs because of insurance, I heard, too.
1: Yes, that's what I've heard also. But that makes sense. They're doing like 100 miles per hour. and We don't even have a fence in between us and, you know, a camper or a UTV and a camper. So one mistake, that thing going to go right through that camper. That, I feel like I
0: mean, that that's true too. I mean, you, you do have to make it as safe as possible. All right. Comes the time when you get to elaborate on the 10 hour. Oh, I want yes. you to break down how the riding sequence went and, okay. and get into, you know, how the rhythm of the race went for you guys. And I want you to tell the story because I know how excited you were when you sent me the text and, uh, I want to hear all about it.
1: Yeah. I was like, finally, we have something to talk about. <laughs> all right. Um, so I think, we did
0: a, hey, I think we did a pretty good job talking without that.
1: Didn't know you. Uh, I agree. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think we could you know, Having something in common. We could always come up with some stories of racing. So that's what I, that's why I love this sport. <laughs> exactly. But so Walker didn't end up showing up. He got the the stomach bug three days before the race. So my buddy Kenny Schick jumped in his spot. So it was Johnny Gallagher, Kenny Schick, and Mark Notman on Team Yamaha GBC. It kind of changed our plan a little bit. It's Hunter Hart, John Galata Jr., and myself on our team then the four by four team which I figured was going to be our biggest competition was Landon Wolf Hayden Mickelson and Jared McClure and Jared's never rode a four by four until an hour before the race and he just rode it up and down the road and he's like I'm good and I'm like wow that's impressive (laughs) you know (laughs) just getting on a quad and ready to go but So when we heard Walker wasn't coming, we made a little change to our plan. Um, We got there. We knew Hunter Hart was going to start. The kid is a bullet from the the green flag. So we're like, okay, it's that running start to the quad. You run to your quad. You get out front. We're going to let you go. We let him go for an hour and I think 40 minutes right around there. So he almost ran in GNCC right off the bat. He was slowing down just a little bit and we wanted to save him for another go. We didn't want him to go out and just burn himself out. And it was just going to be me and Junior for the rest of the race, just in case one of us got hurt or something would happen. So we pulled him off. John Galata Jr. was next. Now, one thing I found out When I went out, because I went out pretty much almost four hours after the start of the race, it was 90-something degrees out, my tires on my quad gained about four pounds of air just sitting out there. I set the pressures to what I normally run at the GNCC. Actually, I set them a little higher because I didn't want to get a a cut or anything like that, but I... (laughs) literally set them out there. I go around the track the first time and I am slipping and sliding everywhere. I'm like, what in the world? Yes. This track is rough and fast, but it's not. It didn't seem like it was supposed to be slick. So after my second time out, I actually lowered my tire pressure and I think I was like the only one to do that, but we actually had a big enough lead. We could do that. So, when Hunter Hart was out for that hour 40, we pretty much had like a three minute lead, four minute lead. And then John Galata went out and he put in some heaters. We were only me and John were only doing an hour at a time. So we were kind of doing like sprints compared to what Hunter was doing. He was ready to do three hours right off the bat. That was his goal. (laughs) And, uh, we're, we didn't want him to just run all of his time right at the beginning. So that's the only reason we pulled him off. And uh, so we come to the halfway mark. It was five hour mark. We just lap. we lapped second place, which was the Yamaha GBC team. And uh, at that point, you can kind of take a breath because you know, if something happens, you're going to get pulled in. You could possibly be on the same lap as them if you get pulled in and I think our time slowed down just a little bit, knowing we had that cushion. And, uh, we kind of kept it in motion. It was Hunter junior me, Hunter junior me. And, uh, the night session came around and we knew we just had to kind of get to the finish line. We weren't pushing our bikes too much and i'm thinking like in my head i'm 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 20 almost 28 years old in two days and i have john galata and hunter hart which are fresh guys out of pro-am they're the fastest kids in the nation and they just want to go as fast as they can so i'm talking to them like hey let's just save the bikes let's slow it down but don't just run a gear high. That's all you needed to do. Just run a gear high. Don't rev the bikes up, just save it and make sure you make it through the trees. And they were flawless. I, I couldn't ask any more from those two. And I'm glad I could just keep up with them because they are the fastest guys in the nation. And, uh, we come into that finish. I got to actually got to finish the race and they were both undressed and I come through the finish line on the rev limiter. Everybody's excited. We just won. And I, I mean, I couldn't think of a happier hour after a race, you know, coming through that finish line and with the first place, getting the corner on the cob trophy and, uh, yeah. I think we, Jason Stewart, Alicia Stewart, they actually, they, they made the team. They put the the flights together. They picked up our bikes. They couldn't have been happier. And I would like to thank them again for having us out there because there was no way we were going to make it out there by ourselves. And, uh, it's a long, long trip to Iowa from Ohio and New York and North Carolina for, from where we all came from. And, uh, Yeah, it was was really cool just being out there. That was the second time I've been out there, and uh, to get the win only on my second try, I'm I'm happy. That's
0: incredible. That's awesome. Any anything? How did the four wheel drive guys end up?
1: The four wheel drive guys. So (laughs) crazy story, but Landon Wolf, I think, was kind of like the team leader on that team. Not that there was a any leader, but he's the fastest guy. And he, at the five hour mark, he's like, Josh, these guys, team Yamaha at GBC was about three or four minutes ahead of them. He's like, I think, I think we're not going to catch them. Every time Johnny gets on the bike, we're losing time. And when Kenny's on the bike, we're staying about the same. And when Mark's on it, we're gaining a little bit of time. He's like, I think we're just going to go to two laps and switch off. I'm like, are you kidding me, dude? How about you just step it up a little bit? And when. Johnny goes out, you go out and then you make these two other boys go faster and at the end of the race you have 5 hours left. Anything can happen. Well, I guess one of the GBC Yamaha guys got tree stuck in their uh in between their sprocket and their disc. So it was like almost popping the chain off, so they had to come in for that. That was 5 minutes right there. So they got right on the back of them right there and then so the four by four four by four guys had two quads, so they didn't have to go into the pits, which took about a minute and a half to stop your quad, turn your lights on the on the other bike, and start it up and get out of there. So they were only doing it once to their two times, so they were saving a minute and a half every hour. So all they had to do was stay close. They ended up beating them by I think about two and a half minutes. Oh. And they got so they got second place, and uh, Team Yamaha got third. So it was pretty exciting because all—I mean, I was on the action off-road team, and uh, to go one-two, it makes me happy. But you know, it still got the win for GBC. Thank you guys for putting it on, <laughs> and uh, yeah,
0: we got to we got to thank GBC. Good. Uh, tires also because they sponsor the podcast
1: oh they do oh yep. perfect well I'm a GBC rider so thank you guys for getting me through that 10 hours I'm actually running the same tires this weekend at the A-Works so I literally changed my clutch changed my oil in my Yamaha 450 and we're gonna race this weekend on the same exact tires and everything that's awesome that's so. Yep.
0: Josh, I want to thank you so much. I'm glad that, that we got to get together. Finally. Um, I know that it was, was a long process for both of us. Um, Yes. I I want you to stay in touch with me. Okay, please. Um, and I'm like, I do everybody. I'm extending the invitation to bring you back. What I would really love if you could set up is to get your team together And sit down and talk with me. And all we'll talk about is that 10 hour day and the stories and and just really highlight your race and your guys's friendship and uh, what it what it was like traveling there, racing, the home drive, everything so that uh, we can really put a special uh, spin on your uh, victory.
1: Oh, definitely. I definitely think I could make that happen. So. I'll get in contact with you and I'll get in contact with the boys and we'll I've, get it together. I've,
0: I've spoke to Hunter many a couple of times and, and, and he's, uh, I don't know if you guys are going to even get a word in edgewise, but hey. It,
1: yeah. <laughs> it might be a Hunter show if, uh, <laughs> once he gets on, but maybe me and Junior will go first and we'll let him finish it up.
0: Well, I can mute him. perfect yeah no i do i do i I can do that so um we might get you guys a a word in edge rise and uh i would love that if you want to reach out to me and you can get everybody together and you have my schedule and again uh uh, tell your girlfriend thank you so much i don't know her name but tell her thank you so much for helping us with the technical side of this so that we could uh, get this taken care of
1: i will let her know thank you for having me
0: The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at atvtalkpodcast.com.
1: Brought to you by Take-Two Custom Tees. Screen printing experience that is dedicated to quality and customer service every time.
0: San Diego's Body Evolution and Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience... Dr. Heidi looking out after all your chiropractic needs, and Coach PJ looking out after all your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolution.org, or call for an appointment, 619-987-8875. Duncan
1: Technologies International, more than 33 years in the industry's building racing programs and ATVs around the world